Welcome back to another rep. My name is Steve Hagan. I love this show. You know why I love this show if you've listened to me. It's because we get to meet all these people that have great stories. And today is no different. We have a great coach out of St. Francis in Joliet, Illinois. He coached at the University of St. Francis for over 34 years. He won over 600 games. He's been named Coach of the Year 13 times over four different decades. He was selected to eight different halls of fame, and he's authored two books. One of them is Attitude, the Cornerstone of Leadership, and the other is From the Bench to the Boardroom. But I think, and I'm going to ask you this, Coach, I think this is one of the things you're most proud of. You graduated 172 of your 176 players, that senior players that played for you. And that is a huge accomplishment. I know you won 600 games. I know you won tons of championships. I know you were coach of the year 13 times and you've been selected to eight halls of fame. But I think the reason all that happened is because the way you coached them and the way you were dedicated to them. And I can't wait to hear you tell us your story. So, Coach, you the man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go get another rep with Coach Pat Sullivan. Let's go. Hey, welcome back to another rep with Steve Hagan. I love this show. And the reason I love it is because I get to meet so many new guests. And today we have a great guest. His name is Pat Sullivan. He's a coach, basketball coach in Illinois. I'm going to say he was the winningest basketball coach in the history of Illinois, but he'll get us straight. I'm going to I'm gonna brag about him and he's going to be humble and tell us exactly what went down. But coach, so glad to have you on the show. I, I can't wait to hear all the details and everything about you. Well, Steve, seeing your background, ditto. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, you know, all as you were was with Lou Holtz at a national championship Uh-oh. along the way. That, that's, that's not chopped liver now. No, that's not chopped liver. That's fun. It's fun. Um, uh, so let's, but this is about you, isn't it about me? <laughs> so okay. let's start with uh, um, way back, way, way, way back when. How'd you even get into coaching basketball and all that? Well, and tell us know, how many years you coached and all that. Uh, believe it or not, I coached for 44. Wow. I coached 10 years at the high school level and then moved to the collegiate level and was at the same school, the University of St. Francis, yeah. for 34 years. Sheep. And uh, just loved, I just loved coaching basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why'd you move from high school to college? Well, primarily because my coach, Steve, in college was a fellow named Gordy Gillespie. Yeah. Now, Gordy is the second winningest coach in the history of college baseball. Okay. And he was a great. He's lucky you didn't coach baseball or he would have been the third winningest coach of all. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) He, he, uh, how about this? When the Chicago Tribune, named the best football players ever to play in high school football because Gordy coached at the high school I went to, Joliet yeah. Catholic High School. You know a couple of guys from there, Joliet Tom Catholic, That's right. And a guy named Mike Allstadt. He wasn't bad. No, he's not too bad. No, not too bad. We may have to so, get Mike Allstadt on the podcast. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, when Gordy asked me to come to St. Francis, Francis with him, 
I had played for him at Lewis University. And uh, he, he in football, this is what I was going to say. In football, Steve, imagine this. The Chicago Tribune picked the best football players ever to play in Illinois high school football. Ray Nitschke, Dick Butkus. Yeah. You know, you go on. And then they had to pick a coach. So they picked Gordy Gillespie because he had won five state championships wow. as a football coach. Now he also played for Hall of Famer Ray Meyer at DePaul University and played once for the national championship of the NIT, which was the tournament prior yeah. to the NCAA. So how could anybody, Steve, be that good a coach in basketball, baseball, and football? What do you think it is, school? coach? What do you think makes him that good of a coach? It was like you. You coached for 40 years. I mean, how many games did you win, coach? We won 602. <laughs> but, I, but, but I can tell you this, Steve, at, the, uh, at what we used to do, a coaching clinic for Chicago area basketball coaches. When Gordy coached till he was 85. So when he was in his seventies and we were doing the clinic, I would have Gordy maybe take the first 15 minutes. And you're really going to like this to, to tell the young coaches what's coaching all about. Yeah. One day, here's how Gordy started. He said, what time is it? He looks at his watch. He's oh, it's six o'clock. He said, I'll tell you what coaches, I'm asking one question. And then I'm going to ask you to do me a favor uh, in a little bit. He said, here's my question. Do you love the kids? And he said, if you don't love the kids, get out. It's get a different job. That's right. Get out of coaching. Exactly. Yeah. And that sums up why Gordy um, was what he, he loved the kids. Yeah. 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 And you did too. I, I, well, it's not complicated, is it, Steve? No. If I had to put coaching with all your background into one word, my one word would be relationships. Yeah. That's what it's all about. When it's all over, you have friends whom you were privileged to coach uh, who yeah. are now yeah. among your best friends. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I think I've told you this. Sometimes I'm, I'll be walking through a airport or something and <laughs> someone will go, yeah. hey, coach. And I'll be like, hey and i can't exactly remember their name because i've coached at a lot of different spots you know and even oh, you yeah. know coaching at one spot for 34 years you know some of those guys they don't look the same when they're 18 as when they're 48 <laughs> uh -huh. and i can't believe i've been coaching that long where i know a guy that's maybe that old or whatever but it's like or wow. 70 yeah <laughs> <laughs> the first sophomore team i coached those guys are 70 because uh, my brother dan was was on that team what so a reunion that would be have you ever had one of those basketball you know how they have high school class reunions or something like that have you ever had a, like a basketball reunion you get some of the guys back well um i, I hate to talk about this they named the uh, recreation center at the university in my name so we had about 500 people who came back to wow. that naming. And you're right. Some of the guys I didn't recognize. <laughs> I, I felt terrible. I know. It comes yeah. back to you quick after they, they start telling a story and then it, and it relates in your mind to some of the other guys and stuff. But Totally. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. But coach, this is your time to brag. That is awesome. They named the, the gym after you. 
That's well, so they ran out of names, Steve. <laughs> what a huge honor. What a huge honor. Tell me um, what, you know, some guys just have the it factor. They just can play it. They can play the piano. They can play, um, you know, tennis. But that basketball it factor, some of those guys just have it. What are some other characteristics of, you know, that you're looking for when you're coaching of a, a when you look at that guy, you're like, man, he's going to help us win games. Yeah. You know, Steve, uh, how's this definition of it that I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. That's right. <laughs> I love it. That's, Capital yeah. I-T. <laughs> yes. Well, let me. I'm stealing that from you, coach. I don't know if you stole it from somebody else, but I don't know how to define it, but I know. I'm sure I, I see it. You made that up. I love it. <laughs> Well, you know, here's where I was really lucky um, that a lot of coaches weren't, Steve. Uh, when we were working, it was called medalist before it became the Milwaukee Bucks camps. Yeah. So the, the fellow who was in charge of it, they had at one point, El McGuire from Marquette University. Oh, yeah. Was their, you know, their really their main spokesman. Right. But El knew everybody in the country, of course. And I worked for L for about 15 summers, but, but I had the privilege of directing their clinics throughout the country. So in that capacity, in my late thirties, early forties, imagine this, I got the chance to work with John Wooden, of course, L McGuire, Dean Smith, Hubie Brown, Bob Knight. I mean, Jeez. so, and then what would happen I would do the administrative work for the clinic. Yeah. And then when all that was done, you can believe I took copious notes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was. Did you ever want to go like work with Bobby Knight or, or Dean Smith or any of those guys? Well, I had the chance to uh, to work with a, a very dear friend of mine whom we lost recently. And you'll know this name, Rick Majerus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rick was the, you know. Uh, I always said Rick was a savant of basketball. Really? Yeah. Now, El McGuire told Rick, why are you getting into coaching? Your dad's a labor negotiator. You are fat, bald, and small. <laughs> so then when El goes with NBC, who's he always calling to see who are the really good players? Who are? Rick. Yeah. <laughs> but we played Rick. Uh, we played Rick when he was at Utah. We had a chance to go out. And what a thing for our small school that nobody heard of. Yeah. Our, our playing on the floor where Magic Johnson and Larry Bird played for the national championship. Wow. Yeah. So Rick was really good. He uh, he said to me, we, we had had a pretty good run to the West Coast, and we beat the University of San Francisco who had a couple seven footers, Steve, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and the, the last pick of the first round of the NBA draft. I mean, they were really good. Yeah. And we just happened to have one of those games where we beat them. Then we played Fresno. It was about a six point game with six minutes to go. And our best shooter who I didn't recognize at that dinner, <laughs> 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 he had a three Kyle Schiller that went down and popped out or at Fresno at the five minute mark, it would have been a four point game. 
But anyway, so yeah, you know what's so crazy, Coach? I got to interrupt you. You remember? You you got all that remembered, right? You got it all memorized. Oh, yeah. at the oh, five yeah. point, and this my guy shooting this three point. My wife asked me that all the time. How how do you remember like this play that you called in this game versus this team at this time? And you can't remember when I asked you to go to the grocery store to pick up some mayonnaise. I'm like, I don't know how that works. It's not that important to me, I guess. And Steve, if I ever see you in Chicago. Missing the mayonnaise on the the, uh, grocery list won't change our life. But if that guy doesn't get this play and make this happen, it could change our life. If that ball hadn't popped up. (laughs) So you'll love this. So Rick told me we we're at Wrigley Field. He was singing, take me out to the ball game for the seventh oh, inning yeah. after Harry Carey. Yeah. So we go over to Murphy's Bar. And Rick says, you know, I want to play you because I'd love to give you guys a guarantee. Yeah. He said, but I'm not going to play you till you're lousy. So he said, how are you going to be this year? I said, we're lousy. So, <laughs> so that's how we got out there. And here's the kind of guy Rick was. Now, again... We're a team nobody heard of, Steve. How many kids went to your school? We had about 1,300 (laughs) full-time students. (laughs) So they were almost almost half the basketball team. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. The athletes took up. We had 14 sports, so the athletes took up a pretty big portion of it. Recruit those athletes into this. Yeah. That's right. But but here's what Rick Majerus did. Here's a famous Division I coach who could have coached at any level for any team. The day after the game, we stayed in Salt Lake for a day after. Rick came over and bought pizzas for the kids and sat and talked basketball with them. For a couple hours. How fun. How, what, yeah. a, what an awesome opportunity. That's so yeah. good. That's so He good. was a special guy. So he wanted me to come to Utah with him, but it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. And then also to St. Louis. And it, I mean, it's a shame. Or Coach, you're married, I, right? You're married? Yes, I, I am married. Was your, would your wife want to go to Utah? Or was that like, nah, we're not doing that? It was, it was at a time. It, the timing just wasn't right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah you know how that goes. I've been there, yeah. 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 And, you have uh, children, Coach? I have five children, yeah. Boys, Four basketball playing boy. boys, any of them? Or do you have five uh, girls? Pat did, my son, Pat, played basketball a little bit. Did you uh, coach I him? Had, uh, my daughter, Bridget, was an elite marathon runner. Wow. She ran the Chicago Marathon, Steve, in 259 on a day when it was 90 degrees. What the heck? To try out for the Olympics, it was 247, two hours, 47 minutes. And all the Chicago runners said, if it had been a regular day with not that kind of heat, Bridget would have, she probably would have, you know, wow. had a tryout. Does she still so, run? Uh, she, you know what? Like so many runners, injuries. Oh, yeah. Injuries took its toll, so she'll run just uh for fun now yeah. yeah did your son play basketball my son played basketball and did you uh, coach him almost like no i never coached him you know steve i i didn't want to i yeah uh, yeah but el mcguire had a great line on that when a kid named frazier came into l when he was at marquette he says coach i'm every bit as good as your son but you're starting ellie 
in, a, in, in, in front of me. What's going on? Elf said, you ain't my son. <laughs> and you don't have to go home to my wife. That's right. So that, <laughs> that answered that one. <laughs> and the kid so, transferred. No. <laughs> yeah. Pat was like Scotty Pippen. He went to University of Illinois at Chicago as a manager. A good friend of mine was the, the coach and then an assistant coach. In his senior year, they ran into some injury problems. So Pat played his senior year at UIC. And I was at the game when he played against Michigan State. Oh, and I, I was, I was a nervous wreck, Steve. Thinking yeah. <laughs> Michigan's what's this going to be? Like? And he did just fine. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, so coach, when a guy has an it factor, like you just said, mm-hmm. you know, you can't define it, but you know it when you see it, the, um, didn't take me long to memorize that one. The, there you um, go. <laughs> the guy with the it factor, does he make everybody else around him better? Or what is that? What is that? Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely how does he um, do that for all our listeners i i mean attitude. i coach guys with it factors too and I, I i see what you think his attitude he can come to practice every night and he's not going to have his a game none of us have our a game every night yeah but that kid who's got the it factor he brings the best that he's got every night in practice yeah i really believe that's the difference and he doesn't have to be a yell guy or a talk. His attitude sets the tone. Yeah. And I've watched Michael Jordan practice. We I was just going to say that. I mean, that's a guy with the it factor, right? Oh, my God. We had tickets, believe it or not, for every playoff game in the Jordan era. What? So I saw, in my opinion, the best who's ever played yeah. at the best time of the year. Oh, yeah. And Jordan practiced harder than everybody on the Bulls. You got to go in and watch. watch I, I did. I yeah. did. In fact, real quick, the two times I was with them, one time I had the kids there after a practice. And I'm not kidding, Steve. You know what's genuine. Oh. Well, it when you see it. Yeah. Michael Jordan made my children, as he's signing their T-shirts, feel that he, Michael Jordan, couldn't have been happier to meet them. That's so awesome. And another time at a game in Chicago where Michael's son was playing in high school. Of course, Michael's at the game and nobody at this high school on the south side of Chicago bothered him because he was there to see his son. Yeah, right. A friend of mine was with him. So Donnie calls me over and we had a kid who had a disability. Okay. So when the kid with the disability, he had been hospitalized and Michael through the Ronald McDonald Foundation had visited him in the hospital. Wow. So he always felt Michael Jordan was his buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, do you know, Steve, Billy came running over, and the only guy that Michael Jordan spoke with that night was our guy. And when it was over, I gave him the thumbs up sign, and Jordan just smiled. So you hear all the stuff about Jordan. That's two times where I say, yeah, pretty darn good guy. Good, consistent character. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds yes. Crazy. Did you ever meet but, Phil Knight? Uh, I not never Phil did. Knight. I mean, um, um, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. Uh, I, you know, Phil Knight owns Nike. You ever Nike, met him? Right. <laughs> he and Jordan's met him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he has. Yeah, you sure yeah. Met I met Michael. Phil Jackson. Yeah, uh, just sparingly, just yeah. walking by. Um, 
I loved his book, Hoop Dreams. Yeah. And the thing that, There's one Sacred Hoops, too. Sacred Hoops, too. That's, that's yeah. not Hoop Dreams. It's Sacred Hoops. You're yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Hoop Dreams was that uh, documentary. But, but the thing that I really liked about Phil Jackson was on one side of me had Tex Winter. Tex Winter was a great coach yeah. who invented the triangle offense. Oh, he did. And I'm telling you, Steve, at least from my perspective, the thing that made a difference on those Bulls team, most of the teams in the NBA would have isolation plays and pick and roll. Yeah. The triangle was a continuity offense. Right. So it was different. Yeah. People had to prepare differently every time they played the Bulls. Then on the other side of them, and I spent three hours at a at a special dinner with this guy, was a guy named John Bach. Now, John, the, the older gentleman, he had been at Army when Vince Lombardi was the assistant to Red Blake. So wow. John had been around a little bit. Yeah. He ran the defense, Steve. So I really credited Phil Jackson as a younger coach yeah. to pay attention to Tex Winter on this side. That's right. And, and John Bach on the other side. Yeah. And those two things. I yeah, think, I think in coaching, when you surround yourself with, you know, some sages, some people that have been there, done that successfully. Some people have been there and done that and weren't so successful, but people that have been there, done that successfully, and you listen to them, it takes the learning curve out. And it takes, you know what, it takes the stress and the pressure off because when you truly listen and lean in and value their, their presence, it, it also permeates through the whole culture of your team, right? Because, you know, there's, there are coaches that have assistants on the team that don't, uh, use them to their highest capacity. They're there, but they, they're not as valued, I guess. And when you get those older sage type guys, I guess we're in that, in that <laughs> category now, <laughs> but um, I, I just think it's, it's, it just elevates the play of everything, everybody, you know, and um, just, you know, been there, done that kind of, you know, a quote that coach Holtz would always say, Hey, Hey son, I've been 18. You've never been 52. You know, he's seen it. And Tex could say that to uh, Phil Jackson. He said, Hey coach, you know, I've been your age. You've never been my age. I've been through this game. You've never been through this. I've been through these playoffs. You've never been through, you know, and I just think when, when uh, younger coaches can um, just value that value, that asset of an older coach that has been there and done that and just learn from that, you know, that's that's just the characteristics of coaching and when you mention listening i believe that's everything yeah and you know that that old expression two ears and one mouth how's this how's this for listening i never got in trouble with my ears (laughs) (laughs) coach you're just bombing me with quotes i'm writing that one down too i gotta write that down okay now i'm gonna take it in new york okay yeah we're at a clinic we're at dinner on this side of me is a high school coach. Nice guy, good coach. Yeah. To my right is John Wooden. And all of his teams did at UCLA was win seven national championships in a row. Yeah. And 10 in the last 12 years that he coached. Yeah, how about that? Dave, if, if you would have been at that dinner, and if you thought speaking 
was the key to intelligence. You would have thought that high school coach was John Wood. And John <laughs> Wooden, the high school, the high school coach did most of the talking. One of the best ever team coaches in America did most of the listening. And then how about this? The coaches who don't listen, they should do what Bill Russell talked about when he was with the Celtics. He said, our great Celtics teams, when we came into the gym, practice or play, we took our individual egos, left them outside the building. But what we brought in was, was Larry team. Bird. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what we brought in was our team ego. And our team ego used to say this. If you're going to beat us, you better bring a great game because we know we are. Yeah. And isn't that what it's all about? Team it ego. Is. Yeah. And the coach can screw that up. Oh, he yeah. Isn't yeah. I always say culture beats strategy. You know, you can, every team has strategy. They got plays and playbooks and how they do this and all that. But you've got to create that culture that as a coach, as a leader, you've got to create that culture where the guys buy in and they trust you as their leader and they trust what's going on. And um, it's a lot easier to win when you have a trusting relationship. You said relationship earlier in this conversation and listening is a relationship and trusting is part of that relationship. Communicating is part of that relationship. And when they can do that at the highest level, when it's super noisy in all the games or even their life, it gets noisy in their life when they can trust one another and they can communicate and listen to one another. It just makes it a lot easier for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, Steve, if we were to look back on, you know, if you had to pick, again, one thing in your recruitment process, it did get down to character. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we want to bring in kids of character Yeah. because when times get tough, they're going to stick with you. Oh, yeah. And the, the kids who don't have the character, they they tend to go south. But when you okay, mention so, Coach, you brought it up. Define character then. Oh, boy. <laughs> do you need a drum roll hey I, you got me but i'll go right back to gordy you care about others yeah it's not about you yeah it's about us yeah, yeah. and you know when you say culture i'm very proud of this steve but it's easier to do at the small college level than it is at the major level because like i used to say we couldn't cheat at our level because we didn't have any money <laughs> to cheat <laughs> but but one of the things that I'm really proud of, our culture was, yeah, you're coming here to play basketball. We want to win. Yeah. But at the same time, you're here to get your degree. Yeah. That transcends the athletics. And that was our culture. And of the 176 seniors, now this isn't kids like the NCAA does it, from freshman through senior year, just seniors. I always felt if you're playing seniors, and they're not graduating. I don't like that culture. Yeah. We had 176 seniors play, Steve. 172 of them finished their degrees. Wow. Yeah. That's that's really, really good. Yeah. Really good. And easier to do, like I say, you know, you don't have all the pressures of. Well, you know, Coach, it's, it is what it is. They, you know, it's all relative, right? It, yes. If yes. they go to North Carolina, they got the pressure in North Carolina. If they come to your, they got to win. You know, and you're, yeah, you're not, right. we're not, this isn't a recreation sport. We didn't come over here to play, you know, rec ball. 
we're going over and we're playing Utah and we're playing whoever, whoever wants to play us, we're going to play them. You know, when I was coaching at Fresno with Pat Hill, great football coach, he would say, we'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. gets you on the map. And some of these teams don't want to play you anywhere, anytime, because they're like, Hmm, you know what? That's a pretty good team. They got a pretty good culture. They know what's going on. They, they, they'll out hit you and, and, uh, they could beat us. So I don't know if we want to play them, you know? And so it gets to a point where it becomes difficult to schedule games because they understand the character of your culture, those other teams, you know? And when you come in with this swagger of, Hey, we'll play anybody anywhere, anytime. And then it gets to, we'll beat anybody anywhere, anytime. We don't care. Sign us up, you know? And uh, they, they start to get that swag and you know they love yeah. it they love it and you know what that's when coaching is easy when your team gets that athletic swagger about them they get that athletic i call it athletic arrogance not where they're yep. arrogant and and uh rude or you know caustic or anything but they just got that athletic arrogance that athletic swagger about them and and yep. you know you can see them in the shoot around when they when they got their swag on you're like oh it's gonna be a good night tonight that's right <laughs> Yeah, and it's Team Eagle. I love that expression. Yeah. Team Eagle. That's what we want to develop. Yeah. And then when you're off the floor, we expect you around campus to be a complete gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's something. We just talked about this to one of my assistants. Jack came for one year and stayed 24. And (laughs) (laughs) you held him hostage. He was like me. He wasn't real smart. <laughs> well, I'll I'll interview him later and find out how smart he is. <laughs> but Jack had great, just great insights in in the sport, and one of his insights was, we, "You would like to respect the game." Yeah, and he would say that to our kids all the time, and he brought this up, Steve, which we're very proud of. When we'd go on the road, and we were on the road a lot, we would tell our kids in the hotels. We don't hang around with the owner of the hotel, but we do hang around to people who clean the rooms. Yeah. Now you guys better be treat those people with respect and dignity every, every minute of every day. Yeah. And we were proud of this. We did have a number of hotels to tell us we'd like to have your kids come back That's because nice. they, yeah, they felt they were, doing it the way you're supposed to yeah doing it the way well you know coach you're coaching them on and off the court and which you know that's when you become a coach there's I think when you're young and you become a coach all you're really thinking about is the games you know yes and and you know if they're on tv or if they're not on tv you kind of get your you know it's it's a little bit of an ego rush you know but later as you go in life the games are almost um, they're not as they are significant, but the practices and everything oh. that goes on before you ever get to the lights, the bright lights, you better have your game on then. And then, you know, when the game comes on, you're going to coach, you're going to coach because it's a game, but you got to coach on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And, you know, you got to coach on all those other days. Coach, how did you mix? How did you mix? Because you were at a Catholic school. How did you mix your faith in with the, the playing and all that? Well, I, I hope, I hope, by my example. Yeah. I hope that that was was it. That 
I'd say so. About five over five hundred people came back to get your name up on that. Yeah, but but I think that's you know well we've had it in America even with some of the preachers they preach all the right things but then they don't do them. Yeah, you know and and obviously you, your example I think is far more important. I love this expression from St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. When he said this, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. I love that. How about it? You can have all the words you want, but the great leaders that I've been fortunate to work with, it was, it was who they were and what they believed in more than yeah. yeah, not that what they said wasn't important. Yeah, that's why they couldn't get you out of that job for 40 years because you were you were living it. That's awesome. Well, Coach, I can't believe that time has flown by this quick and we're going to bring this to a close, but um, we got to do this again. I, I just think to. this is just fun. And, um, you know, you can bring some more basketball insight as this NBA gets going. Maybe we'll have to have a... Uh, exclusive basketball show and a rundown on all the teams and <laughs> that would that'd be kind of fun but yeah it's been a it's been my pleasure just meeting you and and uh, I mean you're a legend I know you don't want to brag about it or anything like that and you sh- and you don't have to because what you did your actions speak way louder than your words will ever and uh, I just appreciate you wanting to come on here and share all those uh, gems that you shared <laughs> And um, I love you for that, Coach. I love coaches, and I love people that want to get other people better. And coaches want to do that, you know. I, I I really believe that coaches just wanna wanna help kids achieve their goals, and and you did that. And John Wooden had a poem where he said, "Where could I meet better people?" That's right. Where Where do you meet better people? than our profession that's right profession. yeah you know you know billy graham said coaches save more lives than most doctors and nurses do and the great amos alonzo stag the football coach at the university of chicago yeah when chicago was in the big Ten, yeah he got his degree in divinity from yale he was going to be a reverend is that right and he said he could minister better to america's youth from a football field and a pulpit. Amen to that. Yep. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, that's great coach. I hope you still get a chance to go watch and play basketball. And I hope they uh, lean in and, and ask you some questions on how to get their shot right or how to to run an offense or a trap defense or whatever it takes to win. And uh, it's just been a joy and um, let's go, man. Let's go. Steve, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And I love your philosophy of what coaching is really all about. It is. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. I stole uh, that from a lot of guys. I was blessed to work with a lot of guys that have the same philosophy that you do. And, and that's what makes kids grow in their sport and, and want to grow in their sport because it's um, the joy of the sport. It's the joy of the game. It's the joy of the team. I believe everybody needs a locker room. Even you and I at our ages, we need a locker room and the best locker rooms are in my opinion, 
are when you got that team and they're fighting for a championship and you know you got them together that's that's one of the best locker room situations i'm stealing that from you (laughs) i have just stole that everybody (laughs) needs a locker room i love it hey everybody needs a locker room and everybody needs a training room because sometimes we get broke up we need to go get fixed (laughs) amen (laughs) so all right i'm gonna close this out coach thanks again for coming on and uh always repping right Yes, thoroughly enjoyed it. That's right. Coach Sullivan, thank you so much for coming on another rep. I, I love how you've been repping life. I love it. You, you've won over 600 games. You've been named Coach of the Year 13 times, over four decades, over 40 years. That's a lot of reps, Coach. <laughs> Eight different Halls of Fame. Come on, man. I love how you've been repping life. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing with all the people that are listening to what you've been up to for the last 40 years. You have blessed so many uh, people, not only the players, the players are definitely truly blessed to have been coached by you, but all the fans and all the people that get to go watch the games and and be part of the St. Francis culture, basketball culture. I love that. So thanks for coming on another rep and coach, you got to keep repping, got to keep repping. I'll have you on again later on, and maybe we'll do like a, a uh, NCAA tournament breakdown, and he'll be the man. <laughs> you are the man, Coach. Let's go. Always keep repping it, Coach. I am out.